0: All right, once again, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Questions? Yeah! What are you on? Looks like a frying pan and some eggs to me.
1: <laughs> hey, this is Marty McFly and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 presents Podstalgic built podcast on core temp arts wait a minute wait a minute are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast welcome to another episode of nostalgic this is a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old uh, i'm your host peter and for this episode we are concluding the uh, nightmare on Elm Street Retrospective and joining me again, uh, for the last time of this review is Tom from Jake and Tom Conquer the World.
2: It's been quite the journey, my
1: friend. Yeah, it, it really has. And you know, despite what we think about some of these movies, it was fun.
2: It, well, oh, it yeah, was, oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of yeah, ups and was, downs, <laughs> twists and turns and, a uh, lot of,
1: yeah, a lot of meandering, middling <laughs> yeah. stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we are definitely back. Uh, this episode will be uh, covering... Uh, this is a first. Both titles do not include A Nightmare on Elm Street. So part six here, we have Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And also uh, part seven, Wes Craven's uh, A New Nightmare. Or is it just New Nightmare? I, I really don't know. You
2: know, there's some contradiction out there. I've always called it Wes Craven's New Nightmare, but IMDB has it listed as New Nightmare. Personally, I, see that. I think the title "West Craven's New Nightmare" is better, considering the structure of the movie.
1: Yeah, I I like West Craven's New Nightmare. I, I think do too. That it's yeah. I I I just think you know it's a
2: it's a more appropriate title.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's you're you're exactly right. Um, you know they're he's trying to yeah. You know we'll just save it yep. for when we get to that movie. <laughs> so um. You know, for those that are joining in for the first time, maybe you want to hear us talk about these two movies in particular. But, you know, if you have some time, check out the previous ones as well. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking about them, even the bad ones. Um, but uh, we decided for October we would cover all seven original movies to not include, you know, any of the uh, Freddy vs. Jason or even the remake or uh, anything like well, that. There, there was a remake? Uh, you know what? I, I might be thinking of another franchise, not that you uh, questioned that. So, yeah. If there yeah, was, take- <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge it. Yes. I'll, I'll take it back. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you, you know, uh, initially I thought I was kind of coming in as a newbie, but as we are watching and reviewing these movies, I have been finding myself remembering some, uh, maybe not key scenes, but some scenes that either disturb me or I'm like, Hey, a boob shot in, uh, you know, <laughs> what, what young boy, you know, could forget such a thing. So, um, this, Review will continue that trend. Uh, I'll spoil it now. There were scenes or, uh, imagery from both of these movies that I remember seeing. So Tom, I have actually seen all of the nightmare movies. Um, you know, <laughs> or I guess just bits and pieces of every single one of them. So there hasn't been one movie where I haven't been like, you know, I don't remember anything from this movie at all. So.
2: Well, you know what? It holds true to the concept of the show, then. So I'm glad to see that. A fun it, it really look back does. at movies from our past.
1: Yeah, it's so funny because last night, because uh, I watched both movies back to back. Here, I, I watched, um I tweeted out that I was watching Freddy's Dead. Yeah, it was Freddy's Dead that I tweeted out. I'm watching it, and I went dot 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 for the first time because I wasn't sure. And then as I was watching, now I was like, "Yep, seen it." <laughs> it didn't remember much of it, but uh, there was definitely some things that stuck out. Uh, so before we get into a review, one of the things that I do like to do on this show is take a trip back to when the movie came out. So starting with Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, this came out uh, September 13th, 1991. There was really no other movie that came out that weekend that uh made any more than... Well, none of them broke 500000 so not worth mentioning at all, but... The number one song at the time of this movie's release was Everything I Do by Bryan Adams.
2: Let me guess. You don't remember this one either, do you?
1: Come on. Robin Hood. From the <laughs> okay, thank <laughs> okay. you. Finally, we got a <laughs> song that you know. Great song, uh, fun karaoke song. It is difficult to sing, but it's definitely uh, a fun one that the entire room will join in on. Um, I mean, I speak of experience because yeah. It, yeah, it's a beautiful song. I love it. And Massive
2: hit. I would argue that it was it's more well remembered than the movie it was uh, commissioned for.
1: I would agree with that. And to kind of call back to our previous episode, that movie had Christian Slater in it. Yeah. Though, I mean, Christian Slater just came up, you know, in our conversation, but yeah, a little bit of tie there. Uh, the director of this one is, uh, her name is Rachel uh so the first woman director, so congrats to her for this one. Uh, this has Freddie returning, uh, Robert England I, I guess, uh, but Lisa Zane, who I found out I-, I was curious because of the last name, but I guess she's the older sister of Billy Zane I was wondering about that Yeah, she plays Maggie uh, We'll leave it at that for now But uh, her being related to Billy Zane, he was in the first I think just the first Back to the Future I'm trying to think right now uh, because I want to get to Ricky Dean Logan who I did not know was in this movie he plays Carlos Ricky Dean Logan was in Back to the Future 2 and 3 so I thought that was kind of interesting uh, Brecken Meyer plays Spencer had no idea he was in this movie but I remember his character very very well and we'll get to that um, Sean Greenblatt uh, plays John Doe he's just you know, simply called John in here. Uh, Leslie Dean plays Tracy. She's kind of a, I don't know. Um, kickboxing person, teen. I don't know. She, she kind of reminded me of, uh, the John Cusick character from say anything, you know, just a bunch of kicking a sandbag.
0: I could, yeah. Yeah.
1: I yeah, suppose. Something like that. Yeah. You know, the, I think saying anything came out in 89. This is just two years later. Uh, who else is in this movie? That's, there's, yeah,
2: I believe his name is Yafit Koto. He's been oh, in right. a lot of stuff. He's been in, uh, alien movies. He's been in, uh, he was in the Running Man.
1: Uh, that's, a lot That's of stuff. where I recognize him yeah. from. Yeah. I, I recognize him from, um, Running Man. He plays Doc, mm-hmm. which uh, there's a Doc in Back to the Future. So, hey, you know, any chance I can say or drop, <laughs> you know, mention Back to the Future, I'm going to do it. So we got, you know, two people that have ties to the series. I mean, Lisa Zane, she's just, you know, the sister of, but still. Um, but yes, uh, Yefet Koto, uh, is, is a doctor. Uh, he also deals with dreams and sleep and, and all that good stuff. Um, so in this one, we find out that Freddy has a child and that's kind of why he's still around. The last of the Elm Street children, I guess you can say, is this John Doe. And Freddy releases him into, um, I don't know, this other town to kind of bring like a fresh new group of teens or something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Literally the entire town is devoid of children because Freddy has killed them all.
1: Uh what's that bit of exposition that they give us that uh there was some kind of a uh, time in between I think they mentioned something about 10 years later and then there's no teens whatsoever in Springwood
2: Springwood yeah yeah uh which I thought was kind of funny because Brecken Meyer's character may have just as well been called 90s kid he looked just so
1: garishly 90s he is so typecasted because that's like the same character in Clueless that he played.
2: Yeah, kind of.
1: You know, he was a stoner skater there as well. You know, no different really. I'm trying to think of my initial thoughts. Um, kind of coming into it, you know, I mentioned that Ricky Dean Logan was a surprise for me to see just because I know, you know, from what I know him as. But, uh, we'll talk about his scene later. But that scene, I was like, oh, that was this movie. So I remember something there. But uh, we got Tom and Roseanne. They have cameos in this one. You know, I did question when do they come in. You said I'll, I'll see, and here they are. Uh, this one, Freddie's dead. I, I. It's a comedy. It's a
2: flat it comedy.
1: It is a comedy. Uh, John Doe. There's a lot of things around his character that uh, play off very comical. Not, not a fan of this one. Not terrible, but not a fan of it either. It's
2: not one that I would definitely recommend. It's not one that I would seek out and want to watch. But it's not as bad as a lot of people say it is. But it's not great either.
1: Yeah, I really, if it wasn't funny, I think this could be along the lines of Part 4, Dream Master. I would agree, yeah.
2: But yeah. again, by this point... The character was just so ingrained in the culture, but the series was definitely on its last legs. And you could tell that they wanted to do something to get, to squeeze just a few more drops out of that stone, and so they decided to take it into a completely different direction.
1: Yeah, this could be, if this, in today's standards, this would be PG-13. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. This is easily the tamest of all
1: of them it really is and this is probably the most dated as well with all mm-hmm. the different technology that they show us in here video games and um actually that might mainly be it but... well
2: again uh the the styles it's like i was saying breck and mire you could tell this was made
1: early 90s Yeah, his hairstyle, what, has he got like a ponytail or something? He's got something approaching
2: a man bun. He's wearing a t-shirt underneath a long sleeve shirt underneath a vest. All of which, you know, contrasting colors, which are all bright. And, you know, it's, he's 90s kid.
1: He is. So I pulled up my notes and this is, this is what I have. This is my initial thought. This is the T3 of the franchise. Terminator 3 you know where it's basically a parody of itself yeah absolutely yeah yeah absolutely it's definitely self parody so that's where i i sit with it like there's some parts to like you know but i think all the jokiness the appeal to the kids now that he's such a big pop culture icon that's where it loses me um i i i was kind of comparing this with uh, dream master I feel this might be a slightly step up because I actually kind of like the doc character, the little bit that we get of him. Um, I can't really stand John Doe. Like he serves a purpose, but I, I don't really like the character. I kind of find him annoying a little bit. Um, I feel Maggie was a little, maybe not underused, but maybe underwritten, you know, like, um, uh, well, will kind of get into it but yeah this one definitely not one of my favorites uh again we'll wait until we do a new nightmare for me to rank them um probably by rewatchability but um so the opening scene again i kind of mentioned i think it was in the last episode that uh just about every single installment they kind of reference some other franchise or property in pop culture and in this one we get like a scene ripped out of Wizard of Oz I kind of found it funny but it just kind of made me roll my eyes because I'm just like because on IMDB it said that it was a comedy too and I go oh no here we go Um we got glimpses of that in the previous ones but this one is like straight comedy like there was nothing to be scared of
2: no um Real quick before I forget it though, I would
1: almost say that the very opening
2: references something else. Uh, oh, in, the
1: plane. Yeah, yeah, it
2: reminded me very much of an old episode of Twilight Zone, uh, starring William Shatner, directed by Richard Donner, called Terror at 20,000 Feet.
1: Hmm. Interesting, okay. Is that an episode you'd recommend?
2: Oh, oh, yes, yes. Very where good. You have, okay. Yeah, it's a classic.
1: Where okay, you, William okay. Shatner I'll...
2: is terrified of flying, and he gets stuck at a window seat, and he looks out, and there's a goblin on the wing tearing the plane apart.
1: It's great. That reminds me of an episode, uh, one of the uh, horror episodes on Simpsons, where it was like a gremlin, right? Yes, when driving I
2: guarantee you they were referencing that.
1: Okay, so... This is, uh, again, like, I, I didn't really know that how comedy centric this, uh, uh, installment was going to be. So John Doe is sitting on this plane next to this woman who's, you know, slightly bigger than him. And he's talking about the turbulence. You know, there's water kind of coming from outside the window and all this. And then I forget what he says to the woman, but she looks at him and is like, don't be a pussy. And I'm like, (laughs) was that supposed to be funny I was like, oh no this is gonna be full of jokes so it really set the tone early on
2: it wasn't just full of jokes it was a live-action cartoon
1: yeah I mean yeah, it really was
2: literally they were mimicking Wiley e. coyote in some parts
1: and what I felt was that well yes and sound effects and everything right yeah you get like Flintstone breaking sounds and all of that. But, um, what this movie tried to do, like, they tried to take some parts, uh, some good parts from, like, the previous movies and just didn't execute them as well. No, no, they definitely borrowed very heavily, I thought, from Dream Warriors. They did. Especially with the Doc character mm-hmm. and having what he, uh, what he did. So I don't know if I missed this, uh, but I feel like they should have, uh, had Doc mention that he worked with Neil, you know, from, Dream Wars, did they say anything like that?
2: No. No. Same, because, think, well, it's, been in, it's in, implied that it's a completely different town, because I always got right. the impression that the, the hospital in uh, Part 3 took place in the same town as the rest of the movies, and they go out of their way to say that this movie takes place in a distant town.
1: Yeah, but you know, like some people yeah. could have worked together, you he know, moved away. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I would have liked that. You know, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about how we appreciate it when some of these movies have a little bit of continuity. Um, this has none. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really doesn't. It gives you a bunch of other, uh, other things really. And another thing that they do reference. All right. So let, let's kind of just get into this a little bit before we start talking more details. So John Doe he arrives to uh Springwood and is conveniently has amnesia. Um how much of this movie did you remember watching it?
2: Quite a bit. Uh okay. it, it's a memorable movie and it's entertaining in a way, but uh it's also memorable for some not so good reasons.
1: Okay. Um so he, we, we find out that, again, he's one of the, well, the last of the teenagers from uh Springwood. And Freddy has been killing, I guess, more than just a, uh the Elm Street kids. It's all the kids in Springwood. So what, did they say what year this is or anything? Because it's been like 10 years or something. I
2: would assume that it's supposed to take place in 2001 because yeah. it came out in 91 and it explicitly said 10 years from now.
1: Okay. Well, see, there you go. And it being so dated, it, that's not 2000. I graduated in 2001 <laughs> and we weren't playing with like an Atari joystick or anything like that or the power glove. Those, no. those did not last uh at all. M- most people, you know, we just, uh, we're touching screens and stuff to play now. Uh, I mean, it's 2017, but yeah, they were way off. They, I don't think they were really trying to be very close to what they thought 2001 might be. Um, John has like a, uh, a a dream where he sees this little brunette girl. I didn't think anything of it at first, just because like in the previous movies you just see random kids. Um, but what did you think about this scene where where John he's in you know the uh, the old house um, and there's one point he walks up like invisible stairs.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, at, at first you know I thought it was just a typical thing. You know I thought the little girl. Was a rope skipper, but turns out there's a little bit more to her than what we originally thought.
1: Yeah, it, it, there really is. And again, I thought nothing of her just because, you know, we've kind of seen stuff like this before. Uh, John meets Maggie, and she's some sort of caseworker, is it? Uh, she works with these teens who have no homes or something. I, I really couldn't figure out what she was.
2: I thought that. She was a therapist of some sort, you know, but they didn't refer to her as a doctor. I wasn't really sure what she was.
1: She's like a poor woman's Nancy from part three. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. She's like
2: Nancy, just a lot less interesting.
1: Yeah, like this town that they live in, it looks like a dump. It kind of reminded me of like the Detroit in. Oh,
2: I knew you were going to say Detroit.
1: (laughs) No, hold hold on. In. Uh, Robocop 3. Okay. So, there you go. But no, that's, that's kind of what it reminded me. Do, do you remember Robocop 3 at all? No, Ish.
2: no. I saw it once and I fell asleep during it.
1: Yeah, it's a guilty pleasure just because I love Robocop. Um, I, I love all th- three of them. I mean, 3 is the least favorite, obviously. I mean, it's got ninja cyborg, so I thought that was cool <laughs> as a kid. But, you know, in that one, that's where you get like the, uh, the street war between the cops and the criminals. But it just, uh you know, like the cops and the authorities or whatever in this town, I don't know if it's ever name dropped, but it, nobody ever seems to care about the kids. You know, they see John Doe. They think he's a junkie and they don't do anything but bring him in. Right. So hey, that's where he meets Magic. budget
2: constraints, man.
1: Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, let's see. So they decide to go back to Springwood because John has his paper clipping of a uh, Kruger woman, right? I, uh, and then there's like a water tower in the background and Maggie kind of remembers it. So she goes back to Springwood and then find out these other kids uh, were stowaways, right? We meet uh, Tracy, we meet 90s Spencer kid and, and Carlos. Yep. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, so they go back to Springwood. Um, the, the, So we, they get to the fair and there's no kids and <laughs> I'm glad they mentioned it. Because I thought I, it was
2: hilarious. It it's the saddest fair ever. Mm hmm.
1: It really is, and uh, one of the characters mentioned that the town is straight out of Twin Peaks, which again, I, that's that's kind of what I saw.
2: It well, it's very dated, and in 19, in two thousand one, nobody was talking
1: about Twin Peaks, let alone teenagers in two thousand one. That's right. Not for another sixteen years. Yeah. So Twin Peaks is back now. So they weren't too far. Yeah, they were far off. They they were really far off. But <laughs> you're right. If you're gonna set it in 2001, you gotta keep out some of those some of those things that would date this movie. Yeah. But yeah, we got the I, I mentioned we got Tom Arnold, Roseanne Barr here, which is just and, bizarre. Uh, I I mean, Roseanne uh, was still pretty popular at this time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. It was at, you know, she was at full Roseanne power at that point.
1: Yeah, it was a show I watched, not religiously, but it was definitely one, you know, like one of those like, yeah, nothing else, I'll watch me some Roseanne because I like Roseanne. I was more of a Married with Children kind of guy. Same here, yep. Yeah, so, you know, I knew who she was and kind of brief and I kind of misremembered that I I thought that, you know, maybe they were Freddie's step parents or or something, but it was just straight up a cameo. That's all it was. Um, what do you think happened to the parents? Are they delirious because they all the kids were the, killed? All yeah. the
2: entire adult population went crazy because all of their children completely disappeared.
1: Yeah, they're all delusional. There's a a scene where John and Maggie are at a school, I think, and there's woman she's teaching like an empty class, but thinks there's kids all there. Um.
2: Oh, and real real quick, I got to point out uh-huh. something where my music geek. Definitely stood up at attention because it was the first time I noticed it when they're flipping through the scrapbook about all of the uh, teen deaths. Okay. There was a headline that just said, four dead in Ohio, which all you classic rock people out there listening to this knows, that is the chorus from Neil Young's protest song Ohio about Kent State. And so the music geek in me definitely got excited about that. That was probably the best part about watching this time.
1: Huh. Nope, I completely missed it. I don't even know what that is. So it, you know, I I think that might date both of us there uh, a little. (laughs) So yeah, I completely, uh, I I didn't even get that reference. Um, so there's another scene here where the, the three teens that we kind of mentioned, they, they drive off, right? And they get lost. They they keep going around in circles around this one statue. This was very reminiscent of the uh, Alice and Dan where they run from the the diner to the car, right? Where that loops like four times. Mm -hmm. And so we got that here. Again, they're taking elements what they probably thought were good in the previous movies, just not as well executed because I didn't find that scene interesting. And what I thought was kind of silly, which which I didn't want it to be silly was when carlos finally pulls out the map and there's like (laughs) a never-ending open like or it's just never ending it just he just keeps opening this big map and you can see that they're clearly taped together but i thought that was kind of funny but again i'm just like but i don't want funny in this movie i don't know
2: maybe it's because i walked into it especially on this viewing expecting a comedy but for whatever reason that scene and his delivery of his lines are one of the most memorable parts of this entire movie for me.
1: It says we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was good. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, because he's right. That's exactly what the map says. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, I, I do like the expression on his face. Uh, he did sell it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It's so weird watching him in this movie because he just, I just keep thinking back to the future too. You know, he's one of Griff's goons from, um, you know, the, uh, t- 2015, you know, in that movie. So they end up, uh, at the Thompson's home and Carlos uh, goes to bed. And when he wakes up, he encounters his mom, which is uh, kind of interesting here. But this is the scene that I remember, like him, uh, having like a hearing impairment, you know, and he, he wears like this, uh, hearing aid, hearing aid. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of weird that he takes one out and then he's completely deaf. Like, well, what about your other ear? But, <laughs> hey, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I remember like the pins dropping. Um, I remember Freddie cutting out his ears. And what was really effective was when Freddie clawed like the, the chalkboard. That was loud.
2: It was. I'd imagine yeah. if you had a really good sound system or if you were in a, uh, really good movie theater, that might have been kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And another thing I noticed in this movie, and the first time I noticed it, I was like, no. But it's, it happened a couple times at least. But Freddy breaks the fourth wall and he reacts to the audience. Oh yeah. 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 And, I didn't realize until it happens later on, but I guess this movie was also released in 3D because Maggie's character wears 3D glasses mm-hmm. at one point. Yep. And
2: uh, uh the 3D was not good. I, I I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say it's on par with uh Friday the 13th part 3D or Jaws 3D.
1: I don't ever remember watching anything in 3D back in the days. Uh, what I do remember was, uh, going to the local 7 Eleven to get the, uh, scratch and sniff for Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, wow. Do you remember that?
0: No,
2: I don't. Was this for so, like one of the sequels or the TV show or?
1: I, was there a TV show? There was. Okay. So I don't remember what it was. It might have been the TV show because obviously, I knew somehow that there was going to be something Revenge of the Nerds related that you'd have to go to 7-Eleven to get the scratch to sniff. And as you watch, it'll tell you what to scratch. And then you can sniff it and you smell whatever was in that scene.
2: Oh, that. that can And be it bad. wasn't like,
1: yeah, it, well, it wasn't like, you know, nasty smelling stuff. You know, it probably like lemon and I don't know. But I was just that's the only thing I remember where they play with your senses like that. But I was never really into like the 3D stuff back in the day.
2: Well, once you get past like the 50s and 60s, it was a pretty rare novelty. Uh, for the current crop of 3D movies that we have right now, I only remember a couple of releases, and this was one of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so I mentioned Freddy cuts off his ear, and I do like the, um, the sound effects here. It's, you know, you get like this pulsating drum because he's deaf, so. All that he can probably hear is his heart beating. So I I found that very eerie. But uh, the scene where Freddy claws the chalkboard, Carlos's head like explodes. But then somehow he ends up on the TV where Spencer's watching it and he's high.
2: Yeah, I I don't get that either.
1: Okay, so I I guess we don't get it. But what we do get is Glenn. We get to see Glenn on TV.
2: Was it Glenn or was it specifically Johnny Depp?
1: Oh, good question, because, you know, 21 Jump Street's probably already been out at this point. Yeah,
2: Johnny Depp, uh, by that point, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Edward Scissorhands had been out. You know, he was a well-established uh, star. No, no, no.
1: Uh, Scissorhands was 93. Was it? It was, yeah, because I did cover that.
2: Okay. But still, yeah. people, you know, Crybaby was definitely out. I know. think
1: so. I think you're right.
2: Yeah. He was a well-established star, and so I kind of got the impression that it was just his way of having fun with his past.
1: Yeah, okay. Unlike I'll, I'll buy that. Maybe it was Cat. Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Who? <laughs> uh, okay, so, all right. So they see, or he sees uh, Johnny Depp on on TV, and, you know, it's kind of funny or whatever. But Spencer becomes a video game, and this is probably the most absurd thing I've seen in this franchise.
2: Well, I do like the indicative in a Gata Devita part, you know where he's tripping out, and you know the colors are coming at him. You
1: know that was that was kind of yeah. cool. All right, the psychedelic stuff. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's the wrong drug, but okay. I mean, it's a dream. I, I live, I live in Oregon, and I'm not saying I condone to any <laughs> kind of like drug use, but I do live in Oregon, and I don't know if anyone's ever seen stuff like that. But I get it. You're right. It's a dream. So you know m- maybe the right type of stuff it was laced
2: it was laced all right there you
1: go i gotcha i gotcha it is definitely laced well i'll take that (laughs) oh you might know a little bit more than me um this video game thing you uh what did you think of it
2: it's it's literally a cartoon
1: yeah, and Freddy is controlling him in he he's what it looks like is Freddy is on his lunch break and is playing a video game in his office. That's what it looks like.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of funny.
1: Yeah, sh- sure, and I get it. You knew this stuff coming in. It's it's not me, it's not high
2: quality humor. I mean, let's face no. it, Larry David would never write a scene like this. But <laughs> you, you know, it it's just goofy.
1: It, it is. I it, mean, he's got his feet kicked up. Uh, he's got a power glove, which, okay, that was kind of cool, you know, because I never had one. Yeah, and, uh, and so don't I get me wrong. Don't get
2: me wrong. It's stupid. It's yeah. really,
1: really stupid. Yeah. But
2: I can't take this seriously, and because I'm not going to take it too seriously, I'm not going to get that upset when something's completely idiotic.
1: Yeah. Um. John dies and his body disappears. And, you know, we do see Freddy still collecting souls. So we had a flashback of, uh, you know, Freddy and his wife. And we find out that, uh, Maggie is Catherine, uh, Kruger, which is actually, uh, I didn't mention it, but, uh, at one point Maggie and John, uh, or it is John that finds some kind of, Paint uh, painting or drawing. Very conveniently, it just happens to be laying out there uh, with K Kruger written on it, and they try to misdirect us by saying, "Oh, Kyle, Kevin, I don't know, it could be anybody." So they think that Freddie's Freddie's kid is a boy, and you know, we find out it's a girl, and it's a, it's Maggie. Um, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought it was Tracy for the longest time.
2: No, 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 no. It was obviously going to be Maggie because at the very beginning, where she's kind of dozing off in her office. She's got her head on the desk, and right next to her head is the article with the Missing Kruger woman. And uh-huh. she's having the dream of Freddie. Well, we didn't know it at the time it was Freddie, but it was obviously Freddy by the voice. Right. And it kind of spoiled itself that she
1: was his child. Okay, see, so I wonder if that's because you knew that? Right? Because for me... I've remembered very little, right? So I only remembered fragments of this movie. So for me, there was this, there was a line that Tracy says in regards to her father. You know, they're like, you know, do you see your father often? She goes, no, or.
2: Every time I uh, go to sleep or something like that.
1: Something like that. So I was like, ooh, that's, that's, she's his daughter. So that's what I kind of hung on to. In in all fairness,
2: that line was delivered before the dream sequence. Okay. You know, mm. but I mean, right? It was, right I mean, before we see actual yeah.
1: her actual father, right?
2: To me, it was I thought it was pretty obvious that Maggie was the kid because why else would she be dreaming of Freddy Krueger's child if she wasn't Freddy Krueger's child?
1: Yeah, but John also had a dream of her, mm. so that's that's where I was. But you know what? Execution and and you know maybe I was just taking notes and miss certain cues, but yeah, for a while I was just like, oh, because. I felt that they were kind of building up the Tracy character, you know, making her a badass. Again, Maggie's like this, you know, social worker or person that works with kids and, you know, kind kind of a, a Nancy but not Nancy. You know, again, we're kind of comparing it with Dream Warriors. And so I thought Tracy was going to be like Kristen and I don't know. I no, don't I know I what else to think. Tracy
2: reminded me of, and I can't remember her name, the the one who in her dream... Had the leather clothes and the huge mohawk. Terran? Yes, that's who she reminded yeah. me of.
1: Okay, a little bit like that. W- what did you think of this character of Tracy?
2: Not very original, not very noticeable. You know, uh, like I said, this movie in particular, the characters were very one dimensional and not very well fleshed out. You know, yeah. there, there really isn't anything to think of them. You're just kind of wondering okay, is this one going to die? How is this one going to die? When's this one going to die?
1: Yeah, I just felt they spent too much time making her a badass and, and actually showing us her father. So, very creepy scene. Clearly, she's been sexually molested, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why that's why she's the way she is, I guess. Um, very tragic. But uh, what do you think about the flashback about Fred and his wife and uh, uh, Maggie, you know, witnessing his mother's death and, and all of that?
2: Uh... I thought that was probably the closest that we got to this movie to genuine horror. Uh, I also thought it was kind of interesting to see variations of his glove or maybe even prototypes of his glove.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Where you had spikes coming out of the knuckles or you had like short claws. Um, I thought it was actually probably the best handled part of the movie.
1: Yeah, and I like it how that wasn't the focus of this movie, right? Like it could have been Freddy Freddie begins, right? And I, I don't I don't think we want something like that. And just this little bit of flashback, I think, was was fine. Like, okay, you had a torture room with all these other types of gloves, and also you know they kind of blur it a little bit, but yeah, you, you see him murder his wife. You know because Maggie witnesses that, mm-hmm. very tragic. And I agree with you, probably the the scariest part of, of the movie, and that's probably why you know I, I don't think it's that bad, though it being a goofy movie. Probably not gonna revisit this one very much. Let's talk about uh, Freddie and Doc. So Doc puts himself under, and. He has a scene with, uh, with Freddy, and I think this is also where we find out about Dream People, which I feel they should have had some other name rather than called Dream People. Th- these are the people that, uh, keeps Freddy around and tells them what to do. Uh, according to him, that's what he says.
2: Yeah, um, it just felt like they were throwing exposition out there just to have it out there.
1: You know, uh... What do you think about the dream people who look like flying sperm?
2: <laughs> I don't know why, but it reminded me of the thing that was in, supposedly inside Jason Voorhees that they showed in Jason Goes to Hell.
1: I the worm-like
2: you know uh, entity.
1: Uh, I like don't the know. Cover box? Yeah. the Cover box. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Because uh, again, I'll, I'll say I haven't seen that, and I'm sure I've seen bits and pieces of it. <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah. I, it was weird. I just the dream people was very underwhelming. Like that could have been a focus in this movie. You know, finding out like why does Freddy keep coming back? Well, it's these dream people. Maybe they could have been called something else, and and maybe uh, they make him stronger in this one. I don't know. I know. You know,
2: personally, you said that nobody wants to see uh Freddy begins. I would love to see it. You know, yeah. where you don't even necessarily see Robert England in the makeup, but you get a full explanation. And hopefully, in that version, they would have uh, the people or entities that bestow Freddy's power onto him look more menacing than a badly done Muppet.
1: Well, I definitely wouldn't mind it at this point, just because we've seen just about like anything else he can do with the movie. Uh, and I feel... I feel like, well, that's not the only way to go because I forgot what it was and maybe we can pull it up later, but Robert England did have his own take on what he would do if he were to write and direct a movie, you know, which at this point, why not? The man had been playing Freddy for years. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't you give it to him? You know, uh, Wes Craven is no longer with us. So give it to Robert England. You know, I'm sure he's got great ideas, but we, we do get like, Kind of bits and pieces of his memories. You know, we do see him as a kid where he uh takes a hammer to a mouse, like in class, and then we see him as a teenager and I didn't know his dad was Alice Cooper. That's kind of cool. You know, so Alice. Very Cooper is actually, uh,
2: very appropriate. Alice Cooper is the king of horror rock.
1: And I do remember this scene. So um that's another scene I do remember. And um yeah, so so you know we get some backstories but it, it would be interesting to kind of see an entire movie of it. I don't know if I want it but I'll I'll watch it. At this point after reviewing all these movies, I'll definitely check out any Freddy property. I mean, I did watch the other stuff uh, thereafter, you know, Freddy versus Jason and the the other thing that doesn't exist, you know. <laughs> so I I also even watched uh Jason X and what else was there? That that's the well, one with Jason, Uber go- Jason right?
2: Yeah. I'd kind of like to get my hands on Freddy's Nightmares, the TV series.
1: Oh, right. I think it ran for like two seasons around this time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Around this, uh, final nightmare. Um, all right. So let's see. We, uh, Maggie, Maggie goes into the dream. Um, and she's going to pull him out because in the previous scene, Doc was able to rip out a piece of his clothing, which Nancy did in the first movie. She brought his hat back. I felt like, you know, we mentioned there's basically no continuity in this one. I don't know if Heather Langenkamp would have returned for this one, but maybe she just said, I once pulled this hat out, you know, so <laughs> you guys can do that too. I did it once. You guys can do it. I don't know. Maybe they could find her diary that uh, Jesse had from part two. There you go. But they fail, right? They they fail at bringing him into reality. So let's just jump to the end where it's Maggie versus Freddie. Where did she get this fighting skills from? That's where I felt like it should have been Tracy's movie.
2: You know what? I would agree. uh, Because it did seem like she just kind of was able to kick all kinds of ass. And I also thought it was just conveniently explained that they happen to have their own armament in the children's hospital because the cops haven't been there to take away the weapons.
1: That was such a silly scene where Tracy keeps throwing things at her. Uh, a ninja star, a stick of dynamite that was already lit. <laughs> like, here, uh, Maggie, here's a stick of dynamite I just lit. Here, make sure you well, do something with it fast.
2: It reminded me of, I mean, I half expected her to throw something at him that had the word Acme written on the yes. side.
1: Yep. That, that was, really silly like i i I found that funny and i think that was unintentional <laughs> um but li- literally a ninja star just, just all these different weapons i'm like really you guys keep that there at this hospital
2: well they they did kind of explain it where uh i think it was uh breck myers character who got caught with a pipe bomb
1: Oh, that's right. Okay. So yeah, they brought that earlier too. So
2: I mean, um, they, they did explain it, but I just thought it was kind of weird that they had this huge stockpile that, you know, militia men would be envious of. And they just happened to have it in a conveniently located closet.
1: So I mentioned that they failed at bringing him back, but it wasn't in the dream, was it, where Maggie was fighting with him and he's like, uh, on the, on the ceiling and stuff. I think it was. Yeah. Okay. See, so again, kind of, kind of breaking rules here. Like he's in the real world, but I don't know if Doc and Tracy were able to see him. Maybe only Maggie. What? Uh, because you know she had the three D glasses, right? That allows her to do anything or see anything.
2: <laughs> now, if now as somebody who, if, if you didn't know that this was in three D, what would you think about all of the? camera shots where they're holding things right up to the camera like the 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 knife and the baseball bat with the huge uh nails driven through them
1: well i i think those were what clued me into like oh this was in 3d You know, uh, again, there was at least two moments where Freddy kind of broke the fourth wall. Uh, One of the other scenes is actually when he was kind of playing, uh, toying with Carlos. Carlos can't hear anything. And he's kind of walking around, I think, looking for Freddy. And Freddy's behind him just acting like a goofball, you know, because we, the audience, can see him. And at one point, doesn't he like shush the audience too? I think so, yeah. Yeah. See, so, uh, again, I was just, that didn't tell me 3D, but, you know, the glasses was was a clue. Obviously, that's a big one. But yeah, you kind of, you, what you're saying, they, this, there's certain things that they do that is kind of motion towards the camera. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that's because I'm kind of privy to that in, in, uh, r- regular 3D now, but yeah, I think it was kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the movie ends and we get the title. Yeah, it, it uh, literally just ends. It does, and she says it with a smile too. I thought it was really. It ended like uh like a TV episode.
2: Yeah, I mean, all that was missing was her, you know, say the title of the movie directly at the camera and then wink, you know, lean in and yes, then winking, right. you know.
1: Yeah, but I mean, we do get one thing that's probably one of the best things of this movie is actually like the you know, Freddy's greatest hits or scenes, yeah, you know, a from little the montage. rest of the other movies. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool.
2: It was. Uh, part of it made me realize that, hey, these were, you know, some of them were way better than this movie right here that we just watched.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely nice to kind of, you know, go back in and see some of that for those that haven't revisited the movies like we, we've been doing. I think they'd really dig that, but mm-hmm. I think it was kind of cool too. Uh, just a recap of what we've seen recently. So do you want to get into the scare meter?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to see
1: where this falls on your, uh, your chart. So I haven't been keeping track, but, uh, I'm just going to give this one a one and a half just, uh, only because of the uh what what's that scene that we were discussing earlier? Where
2: he kills his wife in front of uh his daughter.
1: Yeah, the the whole flashback, you know, when uh it was just Fred Krueger, you know, before he was Freddie. So that scene alone, um, you know, Maggie witnessing all that must have been very tragic. I feel for these kid actors, and we'll get to it in the next movie. Um but yeah, I'll give it a one and a half just for that uh scene alone.
2: I think that's fair. Um this isn't the greatest movie, but again, I, I said it before, I don't think that this is uh, the movie that is the absolute bottom of the barrel in this series. Just because it's just, it, it's campy. It's the 1966 Batman version of this particular franchise. You can't look at yep. it too seriously.
1: Yep, that's, you know what, you're exactly, that's, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. It, uh, you go back and watch some of those 66 stuff, you're just like, this is so silly, but I'm still gonna watch it because it's Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing here.
2: And honestly, I don't do drugs. I don't condone drugs. I'm not telling people to do drugs, but I'd imagine that if you were sitting back with a joint, this would have been a much, much better movie.
1: You know what? Let me let me write that down real quick because I do live in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell is going on, Nancy? Why are you calling
0: me Nancy, John?
1: Why are you calling me John? Nancy,
0: pull yourself together before you make yourself and that kid nuts. John would you call Robert? Robert? Robert England. You know, the guy who plays Freddy. Freddy who? Freddy Krueger.
1: Nancy. Freddy's dead. All right, so Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, this came out October 14th of 1994. So when this movie came out, that very weekend, very, very big weekend, especially in comparison to the previous movies we've done, I mean, the last one had nothing notable. This one has... All types of movies. Uh, have you heard of Pulp Fiction? Yes. Yes, I have. Same weekend. Yeah. Uh, Little Giants, you know, for the, uh, sports family, uh, friendly people. Hoop Dreams, which is one of those documentaries that people talk about. And, uh, Exit to Eden. Not a movie I saw, but I think it's Dan Aykroyd oh. and, uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, I remember that movie. Yeah. So this is, you know, Rosie o- o- O'Donnell. She's already done. Um League of Their Own at this point. Uh I don't think she's done um what's that uh Nora Ephron movie with Tom Hanks and Oh Sleepless in Seattle? Right. I don't think that was out yet. It actually might have been the series. I think year. no, I...
2: I think yeah. I, I think it was out. Uh but I do okay. remember Exit to Eden. I remember uh watching it on uh Cinemax
1: one Friday night.
2: <laughs> and okay. the reason I remember it is Dana Delaney. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Dana Delaney. That, that name re, uh, re, rings a bell. The only thing I remember, I, and again, I, I'm going to say I didn't watch it, but I probably did. Uh, I, I remember Rosie O'Donnell being in bondage.
2: Yeah. It took place in a uh, resort for like an m retreat. And she and Dan Ackroyd were kind of, uh, undercover. It was based off of an Anne Rice novel, if that tells you anything.
1: I gotcha. Was Richard Dreyfus in that movie? I for some weird reason are no? I think uh, you're thinking no, of okay. another Stakeout. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, uh big weekend for all all of those movies, and uh the number one song at the time of the movie's release is "I'll Make Love to You" by Boys to Men. Uh, huge song huge song so everybody knows that one even peter knows that one hey i I know that one that's that's one i know Uh, but i love me some boys to men uh that came off of the the two album which is actually one of my first albums i ever owned um that and tlc's crazy sexy cool were the my first two albums ever and i was in fifth grade excellent yeah, so a uh, great song. Uh This movie was directed and written by Wes Craven. So he comes back and says, Hey, I'm going to show you I can do these movies better than everybody else. Because uh, kind of like the previous movie, the uh Freddy's Dead, A New Nightmare, I feel Wes Craven, well, I did read this. It, it says that he went and watched uh, the sequels, uh, all the other sequels, and I feel like he might have been writing down, I like this, and I'm going to do it better. Yeah. You know, because that's kind of what we got. We got a lot of uh, nice scenes, and I felt like he just did them better than some of those other sequels.
2: Yeah, uh, there's one scene in particular that I thought was very reminiscent from one of the previous sequels, except I thought it was done much, much better this time around.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So... Let me see here. Heather Langenkamp, she returns. She plays herself. And, uh, well, we could, we could say she also plays Nancy because we, we get to see uh, Nancy on TV a few times. Uh, Robert England plays himself and Freddie. Uh, Miko Hughes as Dylan, who is, uh, Heather's son in this movie. Now, this is where I'm going to reference Full House again because Miko Hughes was, uh, Aaron in that movie, but also, you know, listeners of my show. Well, actually I I didn't review the movie, but people who like the type of movies I review on Podstalgic will probably have seen Kindergarten Cop. You know, he was the kid who says boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. You know, that line. <laughs> that's him. You know, but also, if you like horror movies, he was Gage in Pet Cemetery.
2: He was possibly the most terrifying child actor ever
1: in that yeah. movie. And I'm gonna come out right out and say it right now, I think this is the best thing I've ever seen him do. And I don't know how you feel about him in this movie, but just, you know, compared to uh, all the other stuff I have seen him in, I think this is the best uh, Miko Hughes I've seen.
2: Well, especially if you compare it to, say, the other child actor in this series, the kid that played Jacob in part five, he blew him out of the water.
1: And, And again, I think Wes Craven was all like, that kid was in Full House. I'm going to get another kid from Full House and direct him better. <laughs> so I think that's what happened here. Uh, continuing on, we got John Saxon, who also plays himself, uh, but also, uh, returns as Lieutenant, uh, Donald Thompson, who is Heather's father on screen. Um, we got the, a babysitter named Julie. She's played by Tracy, uh, Mittendorf, uh, Chase Porter, who's actually Heather's husband in the movie, uh, is played by David Newsom. Um, we got a bunch of people playing themselves to include Wes Craven, Robert Shade, the producer who's been in two, I think at least two uh, other movies, um, a few other producers, and also some cast members from the previous movies as well. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, this one right here, without kind of spoiling your thoughts on it, is this one that you visit often at all? or
2: You know what? Uh, I haven't watched it in a couple years, but after watching it tonight... This is one that I could see being very, very rewatchable.
1: Okay. Yeah, this one, I thought going in that I hadn't seen it. But again, some of the scenes, I was like, oh i i remember that but not so well so maybe i did not sit down and actually watch this i I just might have seen it you know uh, kind of channel surfing and i'll watch a little bit of it and probably change the channel or something like that um so it was vaguely familiar uh whereas like the previous movies when i saw a scene i'm like i remember that very well right so this is the one where i'm just kind of like yeah you know i've probably seen some of the scenes Um, but, uh, yeah, I like this one. I thought it was well-written. All the people that played themselves, I thought were great. I thought Wes Craven was good as himself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only person that kind of stuck out was one of the producers where she meets Heather, uh, at New Line Cinema, you know, the headquarters office or whatever. Uh, When she was talking to Heather, I felt there was some kind of ADR work where it looked like their lips didn't quite match up with their voice and it kind of took me out a little bit just cuz it was very noticeable. So yeah, it was, it was that...
2: stiff but i i'm willing to give somebody like that the benefit of the doubt because they're clearly not supposed to be professional actors.
1: Yeah, i mean, but uh Robert Bob Shay, i thought he was great. I thought he was pretty good, you know, uh playing himself.
2: And and especially because he has a tendency to be in these movies quite a bit in background characters. Uh yeah, the I'd, one that i I'd do it. What's that?
1: I I would do it. Yeah.
2: Well, the one that I know for sure was in part two. He was the one. He was the bartender that. (laughs) The the bartender. Yeah. So. Yep,
1: that's right. You mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Was yeah? I I think he was also a teacher in the very first movie, right?
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So here we here he is again. So um, when the movie first started off. I didn't, I don't know what I was thinking, but I didn't think it was a dream sequence, but it, it was, uh, because they're on the set of a Freddy movie, which I knew that premise, right? That, uh, that they're working on another movie and Freddy's trying to, uh, stop them or something. I, I didn't really know the details, but I just knew that it's on the set of a Freddy movie. Uh, but it fooled me. Uh, they got this, I don't know, animatronic hand that comes alive, uh, and it kills like two of these special effects guys. So, you said it's been a couple of years. There wasn't anything that was that uh, was kind of fresh for you, right? Everything was all like, yeah, okay, I, re- I remember these now.
2: Oh, I, I remember a lot of them. Uh, there were just it like one big detail that I finally felt kind of click into place for me just tonight, though. And We'll get into that.
1: Okay. Uh, so we got Heather. Uh, she's doing things, lives in a nice house, has a family now. But we find out early that she's got a stalker. You know, and I found that pretty creepy, actually. And yeah. I did read that um Wes Craven, he wrote this in because Heather actually really did have a stalker at the time. So he got her permission to kind of work it into a script.
2: Yeah, uh, uh it's something that unfortunately a lot of uh people and a lot of, I don't like to generalize, a lot of uh female actors have to deal with. So I can imagine why that would be very frightening and a sensitive subject with her
1: absolutely very unfortunate that uh, it it does happen and some of them can get very uh violent well, and I was very well say
2: look at uh, John Lennon
1: oh absolutely uh i actually heard an episode on a true crime podcast where they talked about some of the celebrities uh let me see there was an actress that i forgot too same thing
2: yeah uh, i can't remember her name uh she was on a show called my sister sam yeah
1: i think yeah i think that's the one yep So, uh, very, very tragic. And, you know, I, I'm glad that the times have changed because before you were able to look these people up and just go to their house. Mm -hmm. So we got, um, uh, Dylan is her son and there's a scene here in the, in the beginning of the movie where he's watching like the first nightmare, uh, movie, which is kind of funny because anytime one of the movies is on screen is actually the first nightmare that Wes Craven, you know, wrote And, uh, you know, he's not going to show any of the other sequels, but I, I'm trying to think some of the things that I read about Miko's parents, uh, like how they get him to cry and all these things. It sounds, it sounds horrible. I was going to say, didn't they tell him
2: like something horrible and then, you know, kind of push him out onto the set?
1: Yeah. So what I read was in one scene to get him to cry, they had his mom leave the hospital and his dad whispered that his mom's dead. Oh You know, and I'm a parent of three. You know, I'm father of three here, and I, I can't imagine doing that to my kid. Now, Miko must have been uh like seven or eight, I, I feel like in this movie, and I have a five year old, and I'm just I I can't imagine putting him through like a fraction of the things that Miko goes through in this entire movie.
2: Oh man, that oh that I would say that's borderline child
1: abuse right there. Yeah. But you know, I mean uh The guy is, like, directing horror movies now. So, I mean, you know, I guess it was his thing. The the, the reason, I guess, he was in this movie, because he was actually a big fan of Freddy. You know, something that we've kind of mentioned, you know, uh, starting with part four, Mm -hmm. right? Freddy was becoming very big, and the kids were loving it. So, you know, I I guess for Miko, he he was probably professional enough to kind of... You know, the, the, to know the difference between reality and on screen. And um I don't know. I, I think he did such a great job. I, I just, I wonder the things that they had to coach him on. You know, to get the right look and expressions and, and, and deliveries and all this. Because uh, I think he's one of the best things in this movie. The other thing is, I was, I don't know if I was harsh on... uh Heather Langenkamp in like the other two reviews, but I think this is her best acting, which is is. funny because she's yeah yeah, she's like acting as herself though, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless I think she's great in this uh, movie. So I I now see what you meant when when you when I asked you like um you know about Heather Langenkamp being a scream queen. You're like oh yeah there was like no hesitation on your part. You're Mm -hmm. just like yeah you she's up there, and I'm just like what because I I didn't see it, it with the first two movies, but. This is, this is it right here for me. I, I think she's great. Um, I, I do like the scene where Heather is called to a, uh, talk show, a, talk, a TV talk show here. And, uh, Robert shows up in the Freddie makeup, you know, in, uh, you know, face burns and, and all. And I, I'm starting to kind of pick up that. What do you think it is? Is it her working on the, on these films that gives her some sort of, post-traumatic well, symptoms or something, and the stalking?
2: The stalking, uh, the fact that she's already kind of on edge because there's something clearly not right with her son. Yeah. Uh, her nerves are on end because there's this series of repeated earthquakes. I think they said at that point it was like five of them in the last three weeks. Uh, uh, you know there were uh damage to her walls in the shape of slash marks so she and plus her husband's going out of town so she's already on edge and i kind of got the impression during the interview that she was at a point in her career where she was really trying to move past that stage you know maybe not to the patricia arquette level but she didn't want to be known just as nancy and here's this sleazy talk show bringing out Robert England in the full further in the full Freddie makeup. So she's annoyed. She's, you know, jumpy and she's got her mind on all these other things. And I thought she was able to convey that just in her body language. I thought it was a very impressive scene on her
1: part. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we, we get as much, you know, in exposition as well, when she meets with Bob Shea, you know, she says she doesn't want to do another nightmare movie. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Well, especially because at this point, she's a mother and she's thinking about that. And I think that kind of comes around later on in the movie.
1: Yes, it does. And, you know, speaking of her being a mother, uh, Dylan has a nightmare. And uh, we find out that he's got this uh, stuffed Tyrannosaurus Rex, who he calls Rex, uh, has got claw marks on it, too. So, you know, to add more fuel to the fire of her being very paranoid and on edge. Mm hmm. On edge. Yeah. So, uh, that's gonna be frightening to see, you know, just, uh, from the story that I shared about, like, one night I woke up and I had, like, these, uh, tears in my shirt, too, for, for no reason. Just very weird. Um, we got this, uh, funeral scene because, uh, Chase dies.
2: Yeah. And, and real quick, that's the scene that I was talking about where you could tell that it was kind of, almost like a remake of, uh, I think it was Donnie's death scene in Part 5. Uh, Dan. Dan, where yes. he died in a car accident. I thought that this was way more effective, just because it's one of those situations where less is more. You didn't mm. need that elaborate death trap where the bike was consuming him. All you needed were these frightening claws coming out of the seat Kinda of teasing him a little bit at first and then just plunging right into his chest. And then Nancy wakes up thinking that it's just a dream, only to find out that it was real.
1: Right. Yeah, the uh the the, the claws were from just uh the hand that he's been working on too. Yes. Um uh, because he's been secretly working on this new film, which I guess uh Wes and company, or I guess Bob Shea and Company were gonna surprise her that everybody has lied to her. <laughs> yeah know, about this uh this new movie so um yeah i thought it was interesting that he said that it's a three-hour drive you know and uh you know when he leaves as it's, it's bright as you know as it can be and you know when um this happens to him it's dark right it's late at night mm-hmm. yeah so i that's a long time he's been driving but that's that's fine um, well,
2: that, and it also, well, it depends on what time he, he leaves, but I also kind of got the impression that he was putting in a lot of long hours on that movie set, so it would make sense that he was really
1: tired. Sure. Uh, you you were mentioning how less is more. I do like how we weren't getting a lot of uh, actual Freddy. Uh, even at this point, I don't remember how long it was into the movie, but we saw fake Freddy, right? We saw uh, Robert uh, England mm-hmm. as Freddy, and then mostly Robert as himself for a while. So I do like that. Even when we start to get as paranoid as Heather is, we still aren't seeing anything. So kind of like the whole Jaws effect, right? Mm-hmm. Less is more. And I thought it was very effective. I thought this movie definitely um kind of returned to form, I guess. It, it definitely had a lot more suspense. You know, I could kind of see elements of what we will see in the Scream franchise, you know, hereafter too.
2: Well, yeah, especially because, this is essentially a story about stories. Uh, I would say even more so than Scream because Scream was almost like a, a dissection of the horror genre. This is almost a dissection of screenwriting. I thought.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, because uh, Wes Craven does, you know, have a part in in what's going on. You mm-hmm. know, he is making this movie because he's having nightmares himself. Yes. And, you know, he's using those as I guess, inspiration or something. Um, but he is the reason for all of this, you know, because of the, the, the writing. And so now Freddie is existing again. Um, what we haven't got into yet, but probably cause you know, Freddie hasn't yet been shown, but let's bring it up now. What'd you think about the new look about Freddie?
2: I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. Uh, I really dug the trench coat. I thought that the sweater where the green and red pattern were kind of reversed and the shading, or at least the tone of the red and green were different. But the makeup I thought was phenomenal. And the thing that I finally picked up on, they changed the glove to where it was almost, uh, like razor blades or, or long knives clamped onto his hands so it wasn't a glove almost as much as it was an extension of his own reach the thing that i picked up on is there's a very very famous poster for the first nightmare in elm street movie where it's pointing down at nancy's character in bed and you have this claw kind of reaching out it the claw on that poster is the claw that freddy has in this movie
1: right yeah i did read uh, that bit of a trivia on imdb um, and also I, uh, read that this is actually, uh, more close to what Wes Craven had envisioned Freddy Krueger when, you know, he first, uh, wrote the movie, uh, the original movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I do like it as well. Uh, it's, I don't know if I have a favorite look, but what I like about this look is to me, it doesn't look like burn marks. What it looks like is ripped flesh. Yes. You know, like he was being flayed by, uh, uh, Ramsey Bolton or something, you know. Uh, so yeah, it just looks like ripped skin. Um, and ouch. So I do like that look.
2: And in really, real quick, this isn't really Freddy Krueger in this movie.
1: It's, it's like a demon.
2: Yeah, it, it's a demon that kind of preys on stories. It, it was kind of implied that you know all of the grim fairy tales, which when you look at them are pretty brutal and it's kind of amazing that they've been told to children all these years looking at it in a 2017 sensibility you know it's a demon that possessed those stories it's a demon that somehow Wes Craven was able to tap into and held onto in that Freddy character and now that the movie series was done you know the phrase that they kept using was the genie's out of the bottle and it's about ready to come into
1: our world yeah, in this one they say uh never go to sleep, right? That's yes. the new phrase here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um see that's why I do like the title, Wes Craven's A New Nightmare, because he's taking everything that we do know about the franchise and he's changing it up. You and, know, so Yeah, and,
2: and it's it's lit this movie is literally supposed to be Wes Craven's new nightmare.
1: Right. And so, you know, the, the new look of Freddy, very fitting. So I like all of that. Uh, after watching this movie, you know, like on original remake, this would be a good pairing with, uh, the original, you it know, Nightmare Nightmare It on absolutely Street. would. Yeah. And it, not that I would ever do this, but, uh, um, Freddy's Dead would be a decent pairing with maybe Dream Warriors, you know? Yeah. So. You know, because we, cause we do concepts and ideas as well, you know, uh, as far as comparisons. But I do like how this could parallel and be a good comparison to the uh, to the OG 1984 movie.
2: Well, yeah, especially because they have a lot of the same lines. They recreate a lot of the same shots. Yep. Uh, just a very, very cool way of paying homage to oneself without beating people over the head or making it look obnoxious.
1: Yeah, Uh, what do you think about the morgue scene?
2: The morgue scene was revolting. Yeah. You know, I, I'm watching this and I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody who's, you know, not only having to deal with the death of their spouse, the death of the father of their child, but having to confirm what you know, as far as how they died with those tear marks in their abdomen.
1: Yeah, the, uh, and, you know, she vomits at one point. Um,
2: in the corner is just feeling super awkward.
1: Yeah. What is it that she, uh, he needed her to sign? What was it just, you know, confirming that that is her husband? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She was there to ID the body. That and she also wanted to see the body for herself. And the cops were like, uh, you don't want to do that.
1: No, yeah, she just wants to see how he died because there's they're just saying it was bad, but mm-hmm. she wants to see the claw marks that that's really what it was. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, super awkward for the dude that works at the morgue, but apparently they didn't need the signature because we still got a funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh and this is where we see uh, demonic Freddy as well. Uh very creepy because he's got little Dylan with him inside the, uh, the coffin, which uh, at this point it's kind of underground because there was a, a bit of an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the cameos there, we got to see the guy who played Rod, uh, from the original movie. Uh, I'm pretty Tuesday sure, as I was
2: gonna say, I'm pretty sure, uh, Tino was in there as well, I thought. And I thought I saw Ronnie Blakely
1: uh tina tina which one was she
2: uh amanda Seafried, i think her name is she was the one that was also in uh uh better off dead but uh she was the she was nancy's friend uh the first nightmare on elm street
1: oh oh amanda weiss yes amanda weiss okay okay i did not see her but um i and i didn't see this actress either but tuesday night was there but, you know, you also see John uh, Saxon in the background, you know, because, you know, he is part of this movie as well. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. And I, I read that, you know, uh, Wes Craven also wanted Johnny Depp, but thought that he was too big and probably wouldn't return. Mm-hmm. But then they ran into each other uh, sometime after, and Wes Craven asked him, just like, hey, you know, would you have come on? He's like, yeah, you should have called me. You know, so I I would think... You know, I don't know why Wes Craven didn't ask him anyway because the man did make a cameo in Freddy's Dead. Yeah, if he was going
2: to, you know, do that. You know, come on, Lass.
1: Yeah, he he'll sit at at a funeral, you know, just for a cameo. Come mm-hmm. on. So, yeah. Uh that was kind of neat to uh, to read there. So, um Heather, she finds out that a few other people have also been having nightmares as well, you know, uh, a darker Freddy, you know, she finds out that Robert England uh, has also been having uh, nightmares of Freddy as well.
2: Yeah, he's he's downright terrified. Yeah, I thought he. I mean, uh, everybody rightfully talks about what a great job Heather Langenkamp did in this movie, but people kind of overlook Robert England's performances as Robert England. I thought he was really, really. It might be the best bit of acting I've seen him in, where he's literally playing himself.
1: Yeah, I've never seen V or any of the other movies where he's not Freddy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have nothing to compare it to. But I I do agree with you. Um, I do like him uh, playing as himself, you know, like when he's just wearing regular clothing. Uh, And I do like the scene, too, where they're on the phone together. I mean, he is so scared shitless that he literally leaves the country. Yeah. (laughs) So I I don't know if maybe uh, they didn't have money to create effects where, you know, Freddy and Robert, like, Uh, are in the same scene together i'm not sure i'm Uh, I'm i would imagine glad
2: they didn't just because i like the idea that robert england is so terrified that he skips town and he leaves this this outgoing message on his machine saying uh you can leave a message if you want i really don't know when we'll be back
1: yeah, it, it might as well have been like you have the wrong number. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, don't call me. Uh, but you know, I would have liked to see him a little bit more. But you know, it it it's fine. Um, I thought Wes Craven had a great scene with uh Heather as well as well when, you know, he's like, yeah, I I want you to do this movie, and she also finds out that you know, well. She found out from Bob Shea earlier that he, has, uh, that Wes is also having nightmares. Well, so we not find- only that,
2: but she's also having... Uh, she knows that there's something going on with this screenplay that he's writing because she asked Robert about it. You know, have you heard, got an idea of what the story is or anything like that? And all he said was when he talked to Wes at the, at the funeral, he asked how far along you are at this. And he says, as far as Dylan trying to reach God... Which was a previous scene where Dylan climbed up into a jungle gym trying to get to God so he could get to his father. And right. How, and how would Robert know this?
1: Right. And uh that scene, too, that, that's a scene that I do kind of recall somehow. Or was that similar to another movie that's not a horror movie? Possibly. I, I, okay. I'm not sure. Ah, maybe it is just this movie then. That, that I, I do remember that scene. So yeah, Dylan falls off the top of this uh, big old rocket ship at the playground. And luckily, Heather catches him. So um it, the, the, the scenery itself kind of reminded me of a scene from Breaking Bad where we see like Mike Ehrmantraut with his granddaughter. Kind yeah. of. You know, I'm, I'm probably reaching there. but um, But this scene was very familiar. So I, I probably have seen it. So, Nancy is uh, reading this book, and she is trying to figure out what's going on with Dylan, and I guess they're trying to tell us that it's sleep deprivation,
2: Mm -hmm. why
1: he's acting the way he is.
2: Yeah, because at this point, she's got him hospitalized to try to figure out what's going on, and the doctors, you know, are talking amongst themselves, and she overhears uh, the one doctor saying that all the signs are pointing to childhood schizophrenia, which, Uh as a as a parent, that's got to be terrifying.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, they even mention it in the movie that uh, sometimes it's uh, passed on, you know, within the family. Mm-hmm. So now I don't know if Heather's questioning herself, but everyone's questioning if she has some issues because, um, you know, she's claiming that she's seeing Freddie. You know, she's got these. Uh, scars on her arm, which, you know, I guess there's a scene here after she reads that book where Freddie comes out of the closet, li- literally, uh, and attacks her. Um And this is the part where I'm starting to kind of like, huh, I'm scratching my head here. But he calls her Nancy. Yeah. And that was kind of a clue. Like, I didn't think too much into it. But I go, well, now that's odd, you know. Uh, because they, they kind of, they, they give the audience like this beat for you to process that real quick. Like he just called her Nancy. Um, so that's when I, I think I, I, you know, started like kind of leaning forward in my, in my seat a little bit because now, now I'm curious what is going on.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I, I feel like I'm the type of guy where things kind of go over my head easily. So I feel like some people might've picked it up right away, but I was definitely intrigued.
2: Yeah. Uh, now, the other thing I wanted to kind of point out was I really hated the doctor at the hospital.
1: Hated because you didn't like her character or her acting?
2: The character.
1: Okay, because um, I agree with you, but I loved her for that.
2: Yeah, yeah. the actor yeah. did a very good job with it. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting that the doctor had it... it planted in her head that this whole thing was stemming from the fact that his mom started in a couple horror movies and she was convinced that she was feeding the kid a steady diet of these movies which oh
1: yeah she's a screen queen shaming her yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh yeah this the whole hospital uh scene here it, it goes on for a while because there's you know they go into different rooms different things happen but this doctor i i love her because she's you know she's bad, but she's she's good bad. Mm-hmm. And I um, love to hate her exactly. And then like the nurses, no, they they are just downright bad. But I do like that little trick that they pull on Julie the babysitter, where one distracts her, and then the other one that's with Dylan is the one that actually sedates him. So I thought that was uh that was kind of cool that they did that.
2: I also thought it was kind of cool that Nancy had absolutely no problem beating a nurse's ass. I'm pretty sure she physically. I know she punched one flat in the face, and she elbowed another one right in the ribs.
1: Yeah, Julie uh punches one in the face as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they. You know what? I would do it too. They're, yeah. they're keeping my kid away exactly. from me. Exactly. Yeah. They they have no authority to. Well, do they? I I don't know. I don't okay, know. I. I'm going to plead yeah, ignorance I'm, on that one. Me too. I'm definitely joining you on that. Um, but I I feel there's. There's other types of people that would be authorities, you know, like I don't think the nurses can make that call themselves. Like they should be contacting somebody, you know. Um
2: You'd figure that their legal department would want them to.
1: Right. Yeah. That that's that's kind of what I'm getting to. But uh this is where I'm starting to kind of piece it together. But um uh Heather is talking to Julie, the babysitter, and and I'm like, and I noticed the gray in her hair. I go, wait a minute, was that always there? And and then uh, Julie kind of points it out. She's like, what, what happened with your hair? I go, is this a movie? Because I go, Nancy has the gray hair. Heather doesn't have the gray hair. So once that happened, that's when I'm just like, where is this going? So that's what I like about this movie is that I wasn't able to figure things out, you know, so I was kind of taking these reveals as they come. I wasn't trying to get ahead of myself because I was really enjoying this watch. And so, um so uh, Freddie calling her Nancy, the gray hair. And what made me realize it was the movie is when um Julie gets dragged across, you know, the ceiling and the wall and, and all of that. I go, I don't think they've done that in real life because have they? I'm I'm trying to think now.
2: I I'm not sure. Wh- I've seen this movie a lot of times. I'm not sure what was part of the quote unquote real world or what was part of the quote unquote movie. I kind of took it that it all really happened because okay. West didn't thank her for playing Nancy. He thanked her for being Nancy.
1: Okay. Right. It's all in the wording. Yeah. Um, because my thing was, I think like the nurse's reaction to, you know, the, the blood stains on the wall and the ceiling, they didn't think anything of it when it came to the physics. So I was like, it's gotta be a movie, right? Cause they're not questioning that, but I kind of got
2: the impression that they were just trying to secure the scene and trying to get everything calmed down.
0: Yeah. And they, I mean, and... they
2: definitely looked shocked, but maybe not shocked that, you know, there was a blood trail going onto the ceiling. And can I also and... say that I thought that the performance of Robert England, where you're actually able to see him drag the girl up the wall and across the ceiling, I thought that was great. As an old school fan of that original movie, it was just so badass being able to
1: see that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty brutal. Uh, I read that this was a rotating room. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to think how did they film this with a little, uh, Miko, you know, in the room as well, trying to reach out for Julie. Uh, so again, you know, exposing him to this very violent scene. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling for this kid. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I did tweet at him asking for an interview. No, no response, but Aww. I'm still trying. Yeah. You know, um, let me see. there's somebody else that I, Tweeted that too. Oh, um, the, uh, the director of the last movie, Rachel Talalay. Oh. She's doing, she's doing a lot of, uh, popular, uh, t- television now. Oh, um, excellent. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, she's still, uh, super busy doing directing. So, uh, I was hoping to, uh, maybe talk to her about, uh, um, uh, Freddy's Dead. But, uh, if she checks this out, maybe she won't. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> we kind of... I like it for what it is. I thought there were parts of it that were hilarious. Yes, and that's Tom's opinion. I, I mean, <laughs> you probably heard mine if you're listening. Uh But, uh yeah, man, the, the things he's witnessing um uh, in this movie. So I thought he was great, his reaction. I think he even calls out to her, too, like screams out, Julie, yeah. you know, reaches out for mm-hmm. her hand. And he's so trying to was...
2: warn her that, you know, something's behind yes. her, but yeah. she can't see him.
1: That's right and uh i i could see that scene being extremely scary had i had the lights off that that might clue Mm -hmm. you in uh, Mm -hmm. how i might have been feeling at this point (laughs) i might have had a nightlight on in the living room but yeah yeah, that's right the uh miko did uh, or i need to call him dylan because that's his character's name but dylan did see freddie behind her obviously she didn't see anything so at that point i'm still trying to wonder is this movie or reality because Uh, Dylan can see, but... Yeah,
2: I'm convinced that it was both.
1: Okay. So... From here on out?
2: No, from frame number one.
1: Okay. (laughs) Woo! All right. Yeah, I mean, this... Okay, all right. I'm not going to get into it because I'm already (laughs) cross-eyed. So... The right after this, we got the, this little freeway dodging semi truck scene, which I thought was, uh, kind of, you know, like pet cemetery a little bit exactly. only because, yep. yeah, Miko runs across and, you know, all I kept on thinking about was if he gets hit, there's going to be a shoe flying in the air, <laughs> you know, in slow mo. So. Now, this is what, this was another kind of like dun dun dun, you know, for me is, uh, throughout this movie, Heather has been reaching out to John Saxon, you know, for, uh, for guidance. And I kept on questioning why, you know, it's not like he's her father. And so in this scene here where, uh, John Saxon meets her at her home, you know, with Dylan, you know, they have a talk and then he calls her Nancy.
2: Well, not only that, but when she says that, I know, how, you know, uh, my husband died. It was Fred Krueger. And then he immediately starts to mirror his character in the first movie's
1: lines. Which, right. Nancy. by the way, the man looks like the first movie still. Yeah, yeah. He has
2: aged <laughs> remarkably well in those 10 years.
1: Well, I, I had no idea they had that uh, Marvel technology already back then. Yeah. <laughs> in 94. Uh, so uh, good on them. Uh, but yeah, he looks amazing. Um, everyone else has kind of aged, but, but not him, uh, which is kind of funny. I mean, he's got a little bit more gray on the sides, but that's really it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, he looks the same.
2: Yeah. And, uh, the other thing that I thought was great was how they were kind of, you know, uh, recreating the end of the first nightmare where he's emerging out of the mattress under the sheet. He's yep. cutting. His way out, but he's doing it a lot more slowly this time, and he only fully emerges when Heather refers to John as Daddy. That's
1: That's right. That's when he gets out. And not only that, we get the Thompson house back. Yep. And Wes Craven said, "Fuck you and your red door. I'm making it blue again." Yep. (laughs) So that's that's all I saw throughout this movie. Again. Wes Craven is sitting there writing down, I'm gonna steal that and make it better. And he's just flipping off like every movie he's watching. Um, because, yeah, I, I read that he just, he was not a fan of any of those other sequels. I don't blame him. And didn't he like kind of lose out money? I, I felt there was royalties owed to him that he never got. Uh, probably. I
2: believe I remember hearing something about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the very end of the movie, we're in like Freddy's lair, you know, looks like, uh, looks like a scene out of like a Mortal Kombat game. And, uh, it's, you know, it's the final face off, like the literally final face off between, uh, I guess Nancy at this point. Uh, I don't know. Let's just go with Nancy because, you know, she's playing the role mm-hmm. now, uh, versus versus Freddy and a couple of staples from the previous movies. We get, uh, a, large tongue which did did we get uh, a tongue out of the phone again? We did. Okay, because it was really quick. It, it yeah, so, it was
2: quick, but it was there.
1: Okay. So I so I wasn't like not seeing wait. So I wasn't imagining it. That's that's what I'm getting at. Um so again we get large tongue but also we got your favorite thing, you know, the the flick of the tongue. Oh. <laughs> by Freddie, right? That's that's your favorite thing. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh so we got that. But uh this this is another thing. I, I don't ever remember seeing stills for like uh I I read that the, the the tongue scene is actually like a pretty big thing from this movie too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe it.
2: Uh the other thing that I thought was really interesting was they recreated the stair scene where she's trying desperately to get up the stairs, and she's sinking into this goo. And the reason why I think that's really interesting is because Wes Craven did not want that in the original movie. That sequence was based on a nightmare that Bob Shea had, and Bob Shea insisted that it was in there, and Craven just kind of put it in there to appease him. So I thought it was really interesting that he did it again.
1: Okay. Yeah. And that's something that I brought up in our uh, first review that that's a scene that I do remember, uh, from my childhood. And yeah, it was kind of nice that they brought that back too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, uh, Wes Craven is playing with all types of nostalgia, uh, in this movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, everything yeah. from his own work. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I saw a little homage to Evil Dead too because he and Sam Raimi always dropped hints of the other directors works in their own movies uh, and even old school fairy tales because let's face it Hansel and Gretel plays a central role in this movie
1: yeah we, we get a little drop line earlier that uh, uh, Dylan he wanted her to read that or wanted her to remember the story or something
2: yeah uh, well not only that but it was also important that uh, she tells him again how the kids got home and what happened when they got That's home. That's
1: right. Yes. So yeah, they um so they kinda pushed the witch into the oven or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh now wasn't Hypnosil supposed to come back at some point? I don't know. I thought I read that somewhere that it was gonna be brought up. I I don't remember where I read it, but I feel like there was an emphasis on the hypnosil from the third movie, and so I thought that was going to be brought back. And I almost thought that I that could was see what them maybe Dylan giving was it taking. to
2: yeah. I was going to say them giving it to Dylan.
1: Yeah, so I thought that's what that was. Uh, but yeah, it's the breadcrumbs that leads uh, Heather Nancy uh, into Freddy's lair. Um, I, again, I just keep thinking about the actor Miko Hughes in in the scene where he's inside like this, you know, big oven or whatever. And the reaction on his face just looks so authentic, you know, and just, um, you know, you got Freddie trying to climb inside where you are and, you know, you, you see this man's face and he's just slashing at you. And we get the return of like, the stretching, uh, the you know, Stretch Armstrong yeah. arm as well. So they brought that back. Uh, what else did they bring back? I, I think that's pretty much it. I think we might have touched on a lot of that stuff, but I'm just... I do wonder where Mikos Hughes' head is at, at this point. I think I saw that he's 31 now. Yeah, I, um, I did
2: see that on IMDb.
1: Yeah, so he hasn't done a whole lot, but he does write and direct, and I think he's got some horror stuff under his belt. Uh But, I mean, you know, uh on his Instagram, it looks like he likes to go to, I don't know if it's Coachella, but it looks like he goes to those type of events. So he seems to be like an okay kid, but... But damn the things he was exposed to in this movie and the things that they had to do to get him to react a certain way.
2: Yeah, that hearing that just pisses me off. I mean, I hope that he's okay, but I yeah. can never imagine doing that to a kid.
1: No, uh, th- those those lies just to get a reaction. Um I wonder what the the child labor laws were like in 94. You know, were they just as strict as they are now? Um I would imagine so because I think the Olsen twins were like the last of the ones where, you know, because usually, um, kids, they always age up and the Olsen twins were like the only ones that played themselves since birth. Yeah. Eh, well, not birth, but, uh, Practically. yeah, but I don't know. I mean, the, 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 the kid was like six, seven, eight at the time. So he might have been a little less strict of, uh, you know, since he wasn't like a, a kid or toddler, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think that's it. You got any last thoughts on this movie?
2: you know what uh it's been a long time since i've seen it i actually think i like it more now than when i first saw it this is a really really good movie
1: yeah i definitely have an appreciation for this one as well you know when we first started this we um we saw a lot of people you know say that uh the first one is their favorite um A New Nightmare is their favorite. And I did do a poll on Twitter and uh, I haven't checked it lately, but the last time I checked it, it was a little, a little over a hundred votes, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I think the original movie had like a 61%. A New Nightmare was actually third place. It was Dream Warriors that had 30 some odd uh, percentage. I can, I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can see that too. But, um, for me, like I think this was uh well written well acted all the way around from top to bottom. everyone was good um obviously we we have some opinions on the ones that don't act, and they were just in it playing themselves, mm-hmm. so you know that's fine um I don't think there were any pop songs that really stood out that yeah, you know, just actually the
2: the only complaint I have is I thought that there were times that the score was a little over the top,
1: yeah, it was kind of like um. I mean, this is a bad comparison, but it's kind of like the original Terminator theme. And then when Part Two came out, it was more like orchestral. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like that, right? They took the original song and they updated it with the new instruments and stuff. Yeah, I feel. But
2: like the scenes where they're supposed to be like high tension or where it's supposed to be frightening, I thought that the score was actually kind of obtrusive.
1: I got you. Like it should have been uh, I think there was a one little point bit more where... subtle.
2: Uh, again, yeah. less is more.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I, it didn't bother me too much. But uh, for this one, you know, I'm going to put it up right there with uh, Dream Warriors. And I think I, I I gave that a scare meter of four. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what I said about the original movie. I might have given it like a three and a half.
2: I think it was, that sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's, that's where I am. I think this one in Dream Warrior and Dream Wars it wasn't like scary like this one, but it's kind of what you said like, accumulated, um, you know, f- throughout the movie, uh, kind of, kind of made it scary. Mm-hmm. So the way I would rank this, uh, I would rank it by rewatchability. And I think I'm going to put Nightmare at the very top. The first one. Yeah, no, this one. Oh, really? New, wow. Yeah, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I think I would put this at the very top for rewatchability. And I'm saying that only because uh, I am a fan of the Scream movies. Uh, I do like all four of them. I know a lot of people hate that fourth movie, but I I still kind of enjoyed it. Um, I think I might have liked it more than three. But, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen those movies. But I like Child's Play as well. So I think why I like uh, West Caribbean a new nightmare. Cause it's kind of like those a little bit more modern, um,
2: like a deconstruction of uh, movies and horror in particular.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and I think what he did, uh, you know, the execution of, uh, in, in this movie was much better than what they attempted to do in Freddy's revenge or uh, uh, Freddie's dead. Yeah. I, um, I,
2: I loved it so much that I really wish that they didn't do Freddie versus Jason let alone the remake. The, the this, what now? I, I loved this movie. New Nightmare. So much uh-huh. that this should have been the final word on the series. They shouldn't right. have done Freddy versus Jason. They shouldn't have done that remake.
1: They should have just The what now? To... You, you keep oh, saying yeah. that word. I yeah. Thought... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I got you. This, this would have been, uh, the perfect, uh, closure. Yeah, exactly. You know?
2: And it, where it began, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a good bookend, yeah. right? I, kind of what I said, this would be a, a great pairing on original remake. Um, yeah, so the, for re, rewatchability, I would watch this one over because I think, uh, Miko Hughes is, is great as this creepy Dylan. Um, I thought, you know, what's funny. Uh, I actually thought Julie m- might have been, uh, involved somehow too with like maybe the prank calls and the stalking or mm-hmm. something. Cause at some points I, I was questioning, you know, her, her, Maybe not Modus, but like, yeah, you know, when Nancy runs or Heather runs into her at the hospital, she's like, what are you doing here? She's like, you know what? I'm not sure. I just had this really bad dream about Dylan. And to me, it didn't seem believable. And I'm not trying to say anything about her acting, but I, I feel like it was her character. Like the way she was talking seemed very suspicious.
2: Well, I kind of got the impression that the nightmares that were affecting the people on the original Nightmare on Elm Street were starting to kind of seep in to the lives of those around them including julie.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, that that could be it, but I just I like the way everybody acted in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love the, the love the doctor, you know? She yeah. she was great. So this one I, I'd put up there. Uh the next one I would be able to watch would probably be um A Dream Warriors and then a new nightmare. And again, this is Solely, this is just rewatchability. This isn't ranking them best, you know, best to worst. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, cause I, I actually think, uh, I got to give credit to the, the OG nightmare on Elm street. I think that is the best one. You know, it sets up all the rules. Um, uh, I think that's,
2: well, it's also a genuine horror movie.
1: Right. And, and that's the thing. Like, uh, you look at all the deaths in all these previous movies. They're not as gory, and, uh, violent. I, I want to exclude a new nightmare, um, for, for this compare, comparison here. But, uh, Tina's death, you know, being dragged uh, around the ceiling. Glenn's death sucked into the bed and all, all that gush of blood, you know, spewing from the bed. Um, you know, Rod's death wasn't that bad, but when I think of horror movies, I think of something very bloody and stuff like that. And I know this is more of a slasher flick, but, the deaths are, there's, there's not a lot of deaths in these movies, you know? And no, there aren't. That's, yeah, that's one thing I kind of misremembered. You know, I, I feel, uh, I don't know this to be true, but I feel the Friday, uh, Friday the 13th movies probably have a lot more body count. And so that's something that maybe I don't wish was a thing in these series, but I could have used more violent kills in the other movies so that's Honest, why i got
2: honestly i think the fact that the body count in the west Craven movies are low i think it's a strength because it makes what you do see that much more impactful when okay. you have movies like all of the friday the 13th movies or some of the over the top uh, uh Freddy movies when you have death after death after death you do really kind of get I hate to use this word, you get kind of desensitized
1: to it. And no, you're absolutely right. Just kind of like Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And you
2: know? then when you have something like a New Nightmare where you don't really have a lot, but when you see Julie being dragged across that, that ceiling, it definitely makes an impression on the viewer.
1: Right. Yep, absolutely. Kind of like, um, you know uh Tina being dragged uh, in the body yeah. bag in the hallway so okay so you make a very fair point uh, I do like that um but you're right so the 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 OG movie you know for for those reasons that you mentioned but also like the the deaths um I think it's um I think those were some of the the, the better ones as well uh, on top of you know it's just a better story the um you know it's more suspenseful you know and then as we get into the other ones you know Two, it's got its problems. Um Three, I already said it's the second, probably most rewatchable movie for me. Uh f- Let's see. So what would come fourth? Fourth would probably...
2: I would put four, personally. Four
1: at four? Yeah. Okay. i will probably put four at four, then Freddy's Dead, and then probably... This is going to be a tough one, but I think I might watch two before I watch, uh, uh, five again. Wait. Yeah. Maybe five then.
2: No, no, I would put probably, I would probably put five at the dead last. Okay. You, you know, right, that's, that's, the that's not the bottom of the barrel, right. that's under the barrel.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So I would watch two before five, mm-hmm. um, in, in that order. So, uh, I don't think, I want to rank, you know, what's best or whatever. I mean, I already said the, the original is the best. Um, New Nightmare probably be second, but New New Nightmare is one that I would watch over and over uh, more often.
2: Well, yeah, and, and the thing I like about it is, you know, you when you were saying that you were already starting to feel ca- kind of cross-eyed. I love movies where different people watch the exact same movie and they have totally different interpretations. Right. You can't say that about any other movie in this series other than Wes Craven's New Nightmare.
1: Right, because the other ones were like, "Oh, this one's boring, oh, this one's fun, or you this know, one's I,
2: you know just a straight ahead narrative. this one you end up getting invested in it, and you have to kinda interpret it on your own, yeah, you know they don't yeah. give you all the answers, but they don't do it in a way that makes things confusing. they make it in a way that's intriguing, unlike you know the dream child,
1: right, yeah." So, yep, Dream Child is definitely, uh, the worst of the bunch. Um, but you know, there are, no, there's nothing to like about it. No. <laughs> there, there really isn't. Even the blurred
2: out shower scene can't
1: make up for the rest of that movie. I mean, you could just YouTube that. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. yeah just YouTube it. Okay. So, uh, any, any other, uh, last thoughts about this one? We didn't get any feedback. Um, Uh, uh, for any of these movies I I was hoping to get something for A New Nightmare just because that was just one of the other ones that uh, people said that they loved
2: yeah well deserved Uh, I I don't have any final thoughts on the movie but I do have one final question about the series as a whole okay now one of the things that Freddy Krueger is known to do is attack people by using their own fear now let's say Freddy invades your dreams Peter
1: what fear would he attack you with? Really tough question being put on the spot, too. Do you, do you have one? I do.
2: I have two of them. Uh, okay. Rodents, like, uh, mice, rats, especially, I can't stand. If you okay. want to chase me out of a room, give me in the presence of a rat. I can't do it. Same thing with bats. I have literally hmm. ran away I'm not a tiny person, but I have sprinted away from bats. Okay. If he were to take the form of rats or bats, I would just curl up into a fetal position and hope that what a ray does to me is quick and as painless as possible.
1: Alright, so I I think this is gonna be a little cliche, but um just to kind of generalize it, but ghosts. Um, when I watch ghost adventures with my brother-in-law, mm-hmm. we always get creeped out when they pick up like some type of voice or some words on that little, you know, uh, little thingamajig that they use. Uh, so that creeps me out. So like, I don't know, maybe whispers where you don't know where the hell it's coming from. So I'm just going to generalize and say ghost, you know, kind of, kind of vanilla there. Uh, but also I'm strangely scared of roadkill.
0: Oh, yeah. You know what? dead animals
1: could, on the ground.
2: That could be a good uh, visual for a movie like this.
1: Yeah. Where you're walking down
2: the road and all of a sudden you see like a dead deer and it gets up and goes after you. Well, or I even mean, worse, a, a possum, because live possums are mean little bastards.
1: And they're gross looking. They got tiny little hands that they they look almost like humanoid. But oh, do you know what I do as a job in my my daytime? Mm-hmm. I'm a mailman. Yeah. I, I, I walk every day often i'm not paying attention to what's coming ahead cuz i'm getting mail ready and when i look up i almost like step on a dead squirrel or a oh, possum i thought you were going to or... say
2: that you you tripped over a roadkill that would be oh, that's no, the stuff that's of great. nightmares
1: no no i've never really come across anything that big the biggest thing i ever come across was a dead possum and that's that itself is actually pretty big but yeah. those gross me out. I get squeamish, and you know. I uh, I usually kind of like pick up my one leg and go, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I, if I you have were wearing myself, a dress, you'd
2: be kind of picking it up while you're, you know, yeah, running tiptoed yes. through the street.
1: That's exactly it. And you know, I've have caught myself numerous times about to scream out loud, and I just, you know, just either bite my fist or just ah, you know. But yeah, I, those I like really that.
2: That has out. potential. Yeah, that's a good one.
1: So that's, that's a great question. The, the other, I actually had something for you and, um, the only reason I didn't bring it up because I didn't have time to put thought into it myself. But if you were in charge of the next installment, whether it's just another sequel, reboot, what have you, do you have any ideas how to approach it?
2: Well, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I do like the idea of Freddy begins where you would have, You know, a straight, almost like a David uh, Fincher-style movie in, like, Seven, where you have Detective Thompson going after this guy that's killing children, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and it turns out that it's Freddy Krueger. At the third act, uh, the third act of the movie begins when his case is let go because of bad police work, and then you have the lynch mob going after him they burn his house down they kill him and then the very last shot of the movie is you just see a burned hand uh with a razor glove on it that's what i
1: would do okay that's th- those are all amazing ideas now th- there's a reason that i you know host podcasts and and i'm not a writer uh but my like the only idea i could think of i mean it's a bunch of elements from these movies but i like the idea of alice being a daydreamer and just blurring that line between reality and dreams um i i want to see like a version where it's kind of like that you know where Freddie is again in the real world kind of like you know part two but do it better and you know um don't make him vulnerable when he comes into the real world i know that's his thing but you know I- i'm sure if it's well written make him a little bit more like not indestructible but harder to kill you know now that he's in the real world and he's just not haunting um elm street kids it's it's you know uh what's that expression uh everything's game right it's okay it, you know, anybody can die and he'll just kill anybody just because. But, but then that kind of, kind of to what you're saying earlier, like less is more. Um, it takes away, you know, from some of these other deaths. And I don't know. It just might be something different and it may be a bad one. But again, that's why I'm not a writer. But, you know, I just want to see some elements of some of the things we've seen in the, in these previous movies and, but just do them better. Kinda of yeah. like uh, well, you know what Wes Craven did in a New Nightmare. Exactly. But yeah. but again, kinda of like people people say, let's forget about two. Well, let's just you know, reconceptualize part two.
2: Yeah, and and again, I can be entertained by part two. As bad yeah. as it is, it's it's just a hokey dumb movie that you put on when you don't want to think. Yeah. All right, so now is there anything else that we want to kind of touch base on with uh this franchise as a whole? What's your feeling about the franchise as a whole? Are you a fan or is this going to be like a one and done type thing?
1: No, I'm a fan. I mean, uh it's I didn't buy the Blu-ray set because, you know, I mean, I I figured at some point I'd probably at least review the the original movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the Blu-ray was the right price and you know, I've always said that Freddy is, you know, to me, the scariest uh, movie villain just because of the idea of him. You know, kills you in your dreams. Everyone's gotta sleep. Um, you can always outrun Jason and uh, Michael Myers. You know, I mean, not always, but I mean, you can get away from those guys in guys.
2: a car or a plane or anything. You yeah, can't get or away move, from your move away. Yeah, yeah, you can't get away from your dreams.
1: Yes, and um, so I've always liked. Uh, you know, the idea of Freddy. So I've never owned anything except for the movies. So, so I've never had the mask or the glove or anything like that. Um, but yeah, after watching these, uh, I, I am a fan, um, more so than any of the other franchises, just because I, I don't feel like I've seen many of their movies.
2: Yeah. Um, I do like a lot of the other, uh, characters in the other, uh, franchises. But I would say that Freddy is my favorite of the characters.
0: Uh-huh.
2: You know, uh I, I love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Halloween. I think that those movies are phenomenal, but the franchises that those movies spawned are kind of weak. Whereas the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, they very are... You know, peaks and valleys, hits and misses, but the ones that are firing on all cylinders, like uh, the first one, the third one, New Nightmare, I think they stand toe-to-toe with some of the best uh, horror movies of that genre, you know, the slasher, 80s movies, as anything that's out there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the, I don't know what your thoughts of, of it is, but I, I do like the, the 2003 uh, Texas Chainsaw. Eh. Jessica a Jessica
2: Yeah, it it was too slick, you know. It it it, you know when you 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 can't help but compare it to the original Toby Hooper one from the '70s, and I thought that that one just felt more visceral, whereas this one felt overly produced.
1: Yeah, wasn't it also Michael Bay?
2: I think he was the producer, but I know he didn't direct it.
1: Right. Yeah, I I think he did produce it. Uh, yeah. So I think that's kind of more my thing. You know, gotcha. like, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I did like that, uh, that movie. That was actually pretty, pretty creepy to me. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't think these, uh, any of these movies aside from five, five is legit the worst one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of them, they really weren't as bad as people were making it out to be um because uh you know I, I think one guy on twitter was all like yeah they progressively get worse and worse and I, i'm sure that he was probably excluding like a new nightmare because it is actually uh very good uh or he could have been including it too you yeah. know saying that everybody this... has
2: their own opinion
1: absolutely because I, I i've read somewhere else that um some people they don't consider this uh uh a nightmare on elm street movie you know because I can it's see west that yeah it,
2: because they aren't going up against freddy in this movie they're going up against a demon
0: yeah
1: so
2: yeah that's that i think is a legitimate statement it's not yeah.
1: really in the series all right so i think i think they'll wrap it up tom you know i i've been really enjoying doing uh you know a retrospective yeah with you, i have you too
2: know. i i'm hoping that you have me back next october well yeah to,
1: absolutely we'll have
2: to figure out what to watch but we'll, i i hope to do this again this was a blast
1: Yeah, I don't know if I want to do something that's, you know, um.
2: Not maybe seven movies long, but. Exactly. That's what
1: I'm getting at because I know Halloween's long, uh, Friday the 13th is long. I was thinking
2: we could do, and I'm just going to put this out here. We could do the Evil Dead series.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one that's got a few. Uh, there's Child's Play also. Well, you know what?
2: Another thing you could, another thing we could do, uh, why don't we let your listeners decide? You can, you know, say in September, you can put out a poll. Let them there decide which uh, series they want us to revisit.
1: I already feel people are going to choose Evil Dead. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, if anybody wants an Evil Dead fix, check out our original remake where we did talk about the original and remake. Uh, so that's available. And Poltergeist, we you know we, actually we've done a lot of horror movies on that one just because those are the ones that are more oftenly, uh, remade. Yeah. So. Yeah, so check that out. All right, Tom. So wrapping up this uh, th- this review, why don't you tell listeners again where they can find you and uh, your uh, great show, and and uh, something you pimped out on the previous episode. What uh, they can find out that you're doing now.
2: All right. Oh uh, well, in a land with thousands and thousands of podcasts. Mine is certainly one of them. It's a little show called Jake and Tom Conquer the World. We talk about uh, pop culture uh, with a bend toward the superheroes, uh, though every once in a while we'll talk about completely stupid things like celebrities that everybody hates. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, or if you have an Android phone, make sure you look for the Google Play Store and go to the Couch Party app.
1: Alright, and for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PaulStalgic. You can also go to core and find uh, other content that I do, including We Got 5, which is a weekly top 5 list show. Um, and if you guys got a few moments, please consider leaving an iTunes review for both, uh, Tom and I, uh, you know, for our respective shows, obviously, uh, that really help out the visibility, uh, of our show. Um, your ratings and reviews really, really do help us, uh, independent podcasters. So, um, I want to thank everybody that has supported us and checked out our review. And, you know, maybe some of you guys have been watching the movies along with us. You know, we really appreciate you guys putting in the time and, and doing that. Um, if you guys have any thoughts, uh, I know Eric, you know, sent in something on Instagram, uh, on the last episode. If you guys have anything to add or question or anything at all, hit us up, you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook even when I post this on there. Uh, we'd love to hear it. So, yeah. um, yeah, thank you guys again. Thank you, Tom, for, uh, watching all these movies. Thank you
2: for having me. This has been a blast. Yes. Yeah, I'm been. already looking forward to next Halloween.
1: Yes, well, you, you'll definitely be back for something else before then. So, <laughs> uh, But uh, thanks to your wife for watching part five. So, uh, <laughs> I will her let that her know me. that, yeah. <laughs> All right, sir. All right, thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you later.
0: Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.